Well, good morning. That was nice. Thank you for that. Uh, welcome to South Bay Community Church, just like Pastor Dave uh, just said a few moments ago. Some of you guys might be here for the first time, and thank you for being here. Um, maybe this is your second or third. We're glad you came back to worship with us. I want to start off this morning, and I, I want to share with you a story that I actually read this week. Incredible story. Um, at a local zoo, there is this gorilla, well-known gorilla, that actually passed away, died, and the zoo didn't know why. It was kind of a mysterious death, and for PR reasons, they decided, let's keep it on the down low, and let's not tell anybody until we can figure out what happened. And so what they did in the meantime was they actually got a hold of a lifelike gorilla suit that looked totally real, and they hired a guy, an actor, to come and wear the suit and pretend like he's, he was a gorilla. And given he's an actor, but he's never played the part of a real-life gorilla before. And so he's in there, and he was actually doing quite a good job. He was moving around pretty convincingly, interacting with the crowd there at the zoo. And as he's going around and he's acting like a gorilla, he actually got too close to the, uh, the wall in the enclosure. To the, actually, the, uh, there's this embankment, and he tripped, and he fell down the embankment. What happened was he actually fell down into the neighboring exhibit, which was the lion exhibit. And he sees these lions, and he's, like, freaking out, and his, his heart's pounding. And he's like, they're going to eat me alive. They're going to kill me. And sure enough, the biggest lion of the pack starts walking towards him. And he's, like, sweating. He's nervous. And this lion's coming closer and closer. And he doesn't know what to do anymore. So he starts flailing his arms, and he's trying to get the attention of the zookeepers. And he starts screaming, help me, get me out of here. And the lion comes right up to him, opens his mouth, and goes, hey, be quiet, man. You're going to get us both fired. (laughs) True story, I promise you. It's not a true story. This This guy was an actor. The word hypocrite comes from a Greek word, hypocrite, which basically can be defined as an actor who performs under a mask or a costume. We've come to use it today as uh, the description of someone who appears one way on the outside, but it's not so the case on the inside. That's what a hypocrite is. Why why do I share that with you guys? Well, we kicked off this series called Outrageous Love last week, and we were talking about how Out of all the commands in Scripture, the greatest commands, the two highest commands can be summed up in this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. In simple terms, we say love God, love people. Love God, love people. And we encouraged uh, last week, we, we encouraged everybody, go out and love your neighbor as yourself as your response to loving God. And we, we, we introduced this thing called the Outrageous Love Project. And we, we were hoping that everybody would get into life groups so that you have people to do a love project with. That you, Together you have this camaraderie and this unity and this joint effort to do something demonstrating love for your neighbors. But I want to say even if you're not in a life group or maybe in addition to your life group, maybe you want to do it with your family. Or maybe you want to do it with your spouse or significant other. Or maybe even on your own, look for opportunities to demonstrate love. Maybe you're a guest this morning and you don't even know if you'll ever come back. This message is for you too. This message is for every believer in Jesus Christ to to go and practically love and show that you believe in these commandments. But as we go out and we do these love projects and as we go out and just show love to our neighbors, I pray that we wouldn't go out as hypocrites, that we wouldn't just have the appearance of people who love, but that it would be true of us on the inside, that we wouldn't look like we love, but that we would love actually. That's the title of today's message, Love Actually, that we would actually love them. And so I want to turn you today to God's Word. I want to open up the Scriptures, and I want to show you some biblical foundation for why we're talking about love projects and why we're encouraging you to go out and love your neighbor as yourself. And along the way, I want to give you some practical considerations for what that could look like. Okay, so would you guys bow with me, and let's pause, and let's pray. Come before God, our, our, our King. God, we just want to slow down because sometimes we could get ahead of you. And Lord, we don't want to do that right now. Lord, we want you to lead us into your truth. 
We want you to bring us there. God, help us to see your heart and what you mean when you wrote these things in your word. God, I, I pray against the schemes of the enemy. Lord, a lot of times there's this deception or this temptation to uh, want to just move over the stuff we already know, these simple truths. Let's go on to the next thing. And yet I pray that you'd bring us back to, to the core of, of uh, your command, your commandments to us, to love God and love people and help us to, to really reflect and evaluate our lives and our church. We ask that you would make us a church that shines, a church that you've intended us to be. And so Holy Spirit, you come and be our teacher, please. We are your students. I pray that as I share this message that nothing I say will be successful today unless it's true. And if it's true, we pray it's from you, from your word, breathed by your spirit. So that's our heart, God. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you came in today and hopefully you got a program or you can open up your app, but I want to share with you three biblical truths as to why we're doing this. So the first one is this, if you would write this down in your notes, the first is this, our words must be accompanied by action. Our words must be accompanied by action. Now, I know that sounds simple. Uh, just bear with me, okay? Turn with me if you have your Bibles to 1 John 3.16. Not John 3.16, but 1 John 3.16, a different book in the Bible, and here's what John says in 1 John 3.16. He says this, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. You could pause right there. And so just like John 3.16, 1 John 3.16 is basically the gospel in one verse. This is how we know what love is. He laid down his life for us. Jesus Christ came, gave up his life for us. And what's our response? Well, we ought to go and love likewise. We ought to go and lay down our lives for our brothers just like Christ did for us. That's the gospel in one verse. These words are words we live by as Christians, as followers of Christ. But then we go on. He goes on in the next verse, verse 17. He says, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not live in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. I'll read that verse again. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed, in other words, in action and in truth. L let me try to explain what, what that verse is talking about. And by doing that, I want to tell you what it's not saying. It's not saying that your actions and your deeds speak louder than your words in that actions are more important or more loving or more significant than your words, because that's simply not true. Because we know that sometimes loving words can be more powerful and meaningful than your actions at times. How do we know that? Well, for example, my wife Monica, I, I know my wife loves me. I hope she loves me. She might tell you otherwise, but, but I think she loves me because, because of the stuff she does for me. Right, the, the things that she does, for example, like in my line of work in ministry when I have to preach a message, sometimes I have to bring my work home and I'll be working on it at home in the evening and so she'll go over and beyond to support me. So sometimes she'll wash the dishes when I should be the one washing the dishes or she'll, she'll watch the kids and bathe the kids when it's my turn that night. Sometimes she'll be the one driving the car so I could go over my notes in the passenger seat. And so all these things shows me that she loves me and supports me, and it means a lot to me. It really does. But you know what is more powerful to me than those actions? Is when she'll come up to me after a, a given message, and I'll ask her how it was, and she'll say, that was a good message. That's, that means a lot to me. Why? Because that's not typically the case. That's not what she'll usually say to me. Most of the time, 98% of the time, I'll ask, how was the message? And she'll be like, it's all right. It's okay. And by the way, she knows I'm sharing this. Every time I share a story about her, I always run it by her. Some of you guys have been wondering that. So she's totally okay with me sharing this. In fact, sometimes I'll ask, how was the message? And she'll say this one thing that I totally hate. She says, well, it wasn't your best wasn't your best. And that's her way of saying it was all right. But once in a while, once in a while, 
I'll ask her, how was the message? And she'll say, that was powerful. That, that was a good message. And I'll say, you mean it? Like, <laughs> you, you really mean that? And she'll say, yeah, that was good. Oh, thank you. And it's like, it means so much more. I'll trade that any day. I'll trade that for uh, all the things that she can do for me. Her words can be so powerful. The reality is, in, in a relationship, a lot of times couples, a, a spouse will fail when, when that spouse thinks that all I need to do is actions and never words. And on the flip side, sometimes the spouse will fail when they think all I need to do is give some loving words. The truth is, loving words are appropriate at times and loving actions are appropriate at other times. We have to discern the situation and ask the Spirit to lead us. What is the best way to love right now? So what this verse is not saying is that actions are always better than words, but, but looking at the context and also other portions of Scripture, what's the Bible saying? Well, it's saying that if there are going to be words, if there are going to be words that you proclaim and claim that you live by, then you better live by them. That, then your actions better demonstrate that you truly believe those words. If for us as believers, we're going to say, love God, love people. And that's going to be like our mantra, love God, love people. If that's going to be our motto, then the Bible's saying that better be your model. Like that better be what you model to the world and what the world sees in you, that you truly love God and love people. Sir Francis, is, uh, Francis of Assisi, he was credited with saying this one Famous quote, even though he didn't really say it in these words, but it's been attributed to him. But it goes like this. Maybe you've heard it. Preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. Preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. What's the point of this quote? Well, the point is John's point in 1 John 3, 16 to 18. The point is this. Basically, if you're going to talk the talk, walk the walk. Your life, your, your walk better reflect and demonstrate the truths of the gospel, that love is laying your life down, and people better see that in the way you live, and if, if you need, use words to explain it. Some of you guys have heard about this series we're doing, Outrageous Love, and maybe your thoughts are, man, another series, an entire six weeks about love, and I think, what? else about love can we say? Like we talk about love almost every week. You could walk into any church on any given Sunday and they're probably singing about love and talking about love. And I want to say to you, maybe you know a lot about love, but here's my question. What are you doing to put yourself outside of the four walls of this church or your situation and laying your life down to truly love other people? And that's, that's a sincere question. Seriously, evaluate your life and your actions right now. What are you doing to honestly go out there, actively, intentionally lay down your life to love others out of your love for God? And I want to say, listen, the, the, the priority and the point of this whole series isn't to, to put a new spin on love or to give you a fresh understanding of what love is or to give you new Greek words about love. The priority of this series is to spur the church into action, is to inspire the church to actually go out and let's walk the walk. Let's go and do something intentionally, meaningfully. How can we as a church go and love actually? How can we actually love our neighbors as ourselves? How can we practically go out there and demonstrate Christ in this Christless culture? So we start there, our words must be accompanied by action. But here's the second biblical truth I want to give to you this morning. Would you write this down? Our action must be accompanied by love. Our action must be accompanied by love. And some of you guys are thinking as you write that down, well, that's obvious, Right? If our, our actions are going to back up our words, obviously wouldn't those actions be love? Well, let me show you something that, that, that's not so obvious. It may not be as obvious as you think. I want to turn you to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, if you have your Bibles. 1 Corinthians 13. And before we read that, I want to kind of give you the cultural context. What's going on as Paul writes this? 
So in, in, in the Corinthian church back in Corinth, a lot of people, it seems, this is what we can gather, is that they prided themselves and they would boast about certain things that would give them status or significance. And some things in particular we learn from the book is that they, they pride themselves on knowledge and wisdom and philosophy. Like, like the more smarts you had, the, the more important you were. So they would argue about these things. Then we kind of see glimpses of that in the Corinthian church. Like, for example, that there was division because they would argue about which leaders they followed, which teachers they sat under. And they would say, this guy is greater than your guy. My, my, my teacher, my leader is greater than yours, as if that gave them higher status. And then we get to the discussion about spiritual gifts, right? Because the Bible says that God gives every believer a spiritual gift, distributes it according to his grace, according to his determination, so that we would serve God and serve other people. But even with that, these Corinthians, they would look at certain gifts as if it made me more spiritual or gave me greater standing. And they would look at some of the more showy gifts, gifts that people often refer to as the miraculous gifts, gifts like speaking in tongues, gifts of prophecy, gifts of knowledge, as if I were more spiritual or closer to the Lord or more important because I have these gifts. And here's how Paul addresses that thinking and that view of their gifts every time they put it into action. Here's what he says, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. So listen, it may be obvious to you that our actions must be accompanied by love, but let me expose to you something that's not always so obvious and we often misunderstand. I'm going to put it up for you. It's the truth that actions do not equal love. You might want to write that down because this is true. Actions do not equal love. Love can be found in your actions, but love can be found missing from your actions as well. So it's easy for us to be able to say, well, I'm, I'm going to love, I'm going to love my neighbor, so I'm going to go out on a mission trip to Uganda or for my love project, I'm going to love my neighbor as myself, and we're going to go feed the, the homeless and the needy once a month at the rescue mission. Or a, a, as my act of love, I'm going to go over and beyond my offering. I'm going to give to this Christian ministry. And it's easy to say, look, I'm loving. I'm doing my part to love my neighbor as myself. But I want to remind you that action does not equal love. It doesn't. You can't equate the two all the time. But again, love can be found in your actions, but it could be found missing from your actions. So just because you exercise your spiritual gifts, just because you signed up to be in a ministry, just because you're going on a mission trip, just because you're engaging in your love projects, does not mean that you sincerely are loving according to the commands of God, that you are sincerely filled with a love for God and a love for others. A few years ago, I was uh, speaking at a youth retreat, and uh, I didn't know this youth group. This is my first time going to, to speak to them, and they were staying at a beach house in Oxnard, so we're right there on the beach, <clears throat> and everything's going well, and then it was free time, so in the afternoon, they have like this window, a four to five hour window of free time. You guys can hang out with your friends, do whatever you want. And so everybody's looking forward to that, and for me, I'll be honest with you, as the guest there, I was kind of stressing out. I was kind of like, what in the world am I going to do for four to five hours by myself? Like, I'm, I'm stuck. I'm confined to this house. What am I going to do? I'm, I'm thinking none of these kids are thinking about me and wanting to reach out to me to make sure I'm not lonely and, and by myself and wanting to love on me. You know, to their credit, they're probably thinking about what students were invited to this retreat that we could love on. They're probably thinking about what friends do I want to hang out with. So I'm like, what am I going to do? Well, the free time starts, and I was so blessed because one of the high school students actually came up to me and said, hey, Pastor Greg, what are you doing during free time? Is it okay if we hang out together? And I was like, oh, like that, 
That's so meaningful. Like, thank you. Like, you could be hanging out with your friends and doing your thing, but you want to spend time with me? I said, what do you want to do? He says, I don't know. Whatever you want to do, I'll just go with you. I said, well, I was actually just looking out and looking at the waves, and they look pretty good, and I happen to have a couple surfboards in my car. I was thinking about surfing. He goes, let's go surfing. I go, you surf? He goes, no, but, but I could learn. I could learn. I'm like, you sure? I'm like, do you have a wetsuit? He goes, no. I'm like, it's cold. He's like, it's okay. Let's go. I have swim trunks. I'm like, man, that's awesome. Let's go. So I grab my board, and we, we go, go, and I'm having the time of my life, and he's trying to stay afloat, and he has no idea what he's doing. And I'm telling him, you should go in. It's okay. You don't, have to, you don't have to do this with me. Go ahead. He's like, no, no, no. I insist. And he stayed there with me the whole time. After that time, we, uh, you know, we washed up, showered up, and then we played some cards, played some games. Then the free time ended. And then it was dinner time, and as everybody's eating dinner, I'm going over my notes for the evening message, trying to prepare for the evening, and he comes up to me. He says, we had a good time, didn't we? I said, yeah, we did. So we had fun, didn't we? Yeah, that was fun. Thank you for spending time with me. I appreciate that. He, he goes to me. He says, so... Maybe, can you, like, mention me in your message tonight? And he says, like, you know, give me a little shout out. I was like, this guy. Like, this is, that's what this was about? Like, that's what this was about? Like, I thought you were being all sacrificial and loving on me, and I felt all special, and, and you just wanted a shout out? You went that far to get your name shouted out. I felt so abused. Like, I felt, like, hurt, and I, I'm like, I felt like he played me. And I mean, to be honest, I don't know if that was entirely his motives. I don't know if that's why he went that far. But you could tell that he really wanted me to talk about this. And I share that with you guys because I want to say beware of your motives because there's a lot of ulterior motives to choose from when we perform acts of love, when we do good works in this world. Beware of your goals and, and your heart's desire, and sometimes you've got to let the Holy Spirit search our hearts. Because as sacrificial as it may be, as costly as your act of love is, as outrageous as your love might be, if it's not done out of a sincere love for God and a sincere love for the people you're serving, the reality is it comes to nothing, and we gain nothing in the eternal scheme of things. Here's what Jesus says. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. These are the words of our master. He says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. See, the, the, these religious Jews would go and do things. They would give to the needy. They would help the poor. They would do righteous acts. And, and men would applaud them as they were very spiritual and righteous. And they did it for that reason. And Jesus says, they have received the reward in full. All that applause from men, that's all they get. But heaven will be silent. Heaven will be silent. I gave that high school kid a shout out that night. I kept my word and I said, I want to thank so-and-so for spending that time with me. We had a great time. And the reality is I don't know his heart. I really don't. God, God knows his motives. And if God finds that he was indeed self-serving, then that shout-out that I gave is all that guy's getting. That's all he's going to get. Heaven will be silent. He's received his reward in full. But, but if it was genuinely done out of love, then, then the Lord will give him his due reward. I want to say, church, everything we do, the reality is everything we do is done out of love. Like everything we do is done out of love. All our good works, all our righteous deeds are done out of love. The question we have to ask ourselves is, who do I love? Like when, when I'm doing this good deed and I'm, I'm doing this love project, do I love God or do I love myself? Like, do I genuinely love this person that I'm serving, or do I love myself? Do I love how this makes me feel when I make a difference? 
Do I love how significant and how worthy it makes me feel because I'm helping another person? Do I love the feeling of acceptance and recognition? Do, do I love when people recognize what I do in my actions? Or do I truly love this person? And do I lay myself down because I love God and I love them? Before our weekend service, um, all our services, I, I don't know if everybody realizes how many people are involved in making this happen right now. A lot of volunteers and servants, and every time before the service, we'll gather in a circle in the back of this sanctuary, and we'll get down on our knees, and we'll pray, and we'll beg the Lord just to, to be here with us. And usually it's the pastor, one of the pastors will pray for the time, and whenever we're in the circle, and it's my turn to pray, one thing I always try to remember to pray is, as we're on our knees, God, as we serve and do our part, God, help us to love the people that we're about to serve. God, help us to love these people who are about to walk into these doors. Because the reality is just because you serve doesn't mean you're loving the people you serve. Whether I'm preaching or I'm praising, whether I'm emceeing or I'm greeting, whether I'm doing the lights or the sound, it's so easy to do these things because I'm on the schedule for this week. It's so easy to do these things because I'm just part of this ministry. Or it's so easy for me to be the one singing on the stage just because I can and nobody does it better than me. It's so easy to do this and do that. It's so easy to serve because I'll feel guilty if I don't, so I'll just do it. I'm available this weekend. And there's many motives for why people might serve. And it's not necessarily because they're filled with a Christ-like love. I've heard that a definition of love is to desire God's best for the other person. To, to love you is to really want God's best for you. And if that's the case, when you perform your acts of love or your acts of kindness or your love projects, I want to encourage you, would you pray, and before you carry out that deed, would you pray that God would genuinely break your heart for that person? That you would genuinely desire God's best for that person? That as you serve them or do this good act for them, that you would yearn for them to love God more than before you served them? That you would desire that they would know God and cherish God and glorify God in their hearts. Because that's love. And the reality is that we don't always love the people we serve. Somebody might come up to you asking for help, asking for a meal, asking for money, and your heart is not always filled with love. So should you not do anything? No, you should do something. But at the same time, you should ask God that if I don't naturally love this person, that you would give me a supernatural love for them. That you would cause me to love them with a love that doesn't come from me and that's not of myself, but that you would give me a love that comes from you, a divine love, because I can't love them on my own. I don't. And so your words must be accompanied by action. Your actions must be accompanied by love, a sincere love. Let me give you one last biblical truth. Our love must be accompanied by truth. Our love must be accompanied by truth. As we mentioned last week, this series was kind of birthed out of um, planning that, you know, Pastor Gary and I were doing. We got away uh, to just pray and, and seek God in terms of how the Lord is leading our church and looking into the new year, 2018, what, 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 what do we need to do as a church? And it was actually during that retreat that the shooting at Las Vegas happened, Route 99, and so we were on our way to Vegas just to see how we could be available there. And so as we're driving, we're talking in the car, and one thing we were thinking about in light of the shooting and everything else going on in the news, all the racism, all the terrorism, all, all the violence, we realized, man, the world is increasingly dark and increasingly wicked, and if there's ever time for love to shine, it's now. And we realize if there's ever a time where, where, where people want to hear about love and see love, it's now. And so that, that's, that's where this series comes from. Because we realize that any act of love or any act of kindness these days, right now, 
that's caught on camera, what happens? Thing goes viral, right? Because people want to, to know that they can have faith in humanity. You've heard that phrase? People want to know that love still exists, that this world hasn't gone completely evil, that there's still hope for us. And so anything that gets picked up will get spread and shared, and it goes viral. I want to show you a video that went viral on the web. And in this video, a father shows outrageous kindness when he speaks to the killer of his son. Uh, check, Check out what he has to say to his son's killer. My dear nephew, Trey, I don't blame you for the crime you committed. I'm not angry at you for being hard of hurting my son. I'm angry at the devil. I blame the devil, the devil, who misguided you and misleading you to do such a horrible crime. I have to pour myself out to forgive someone that have wronged our family. that and I was moved to tears that thing at the end is to share this video and it got shared millions of times I left out a part I didn't show you it's the part where he says the reason why I forgive you is because I'm a Muslim he says the reason I forgive you is because forgiveness is one of the greatest acts of charity in Islam that's why I forgive you and it's powerful. And if you're moved, it's rightly so. That's an outrageous act of forgiveness. But why do I show this to you? I want to show this to you because, church, I don't want us to be naive and think that Christians are the only ones capable of showing love. I don't want us to think that we're the only ones who can go out there and do good deeds and acts of kindness and acts of love. Because the reality is these days everybody is trying to capitalize on the moment and, and take the opportunities to, to shine. Everybody's capable do, of doing acts of love. Besides this Muslim father who shows outrageous forgiveness, I, I know Mormons who have converted an entire family who is hurting because they just had a miscarriage. I know Buddhists who are fiercely committed to caring for the poor in downtown L.A., I know a Jew who has given tens of thousands of dollars to a Christian church. I know atheists who are committed to human rights and fighting for our rights. Every faith system in the world, including atheism, has people who are going to fight for love. Everybody is capable of doing it. So what in the world, church, what in the world is going to separate us and our love from the rest of the world? What's going to make Christian love, biblically-based, spirit-filled, gospel-driven love, different from all the other love that's happening? I'll tell you this. This is a difference. It's the truth that we attach to our deeds. It's the gospel that's presented alongside our works. That quote I showed you earlier, preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words. I I get the heart and the intent behind that quote. I get what it's trying to say. But can I be honest with you guys? Preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words. It's always necessary to use words. It's always necessary to live it out and it's always necessary to communicate what we're trying to live Because the reality is, and we always have to remember this, is that the gospel will never be received unless the gospel is delivered. Right? The gospel can never be heard unless the gospel is heralded. 
We could do all the righteous acts and good deeds we want, but a heart will never be transformed unless the gospel is verbally transferred. Like they have to hear it to understand why it is we do what we do, and more importantly, what God has done for them. I say this to my kids all the time, and forgive me, I I need to say it to us today, church, but you have to use your words. There's no other way. You have to use your words, the words of truth. I was at um, S-Mart the other day, uh, the the grocery store down the street, and I, I was picking up some meat because Monica asked me to pick some up on the way home so we could cook it for dinner. And as I was leaving the store, there was a mother and her child. And she asked me, she said, can you, can you buy my child some juice? She's, she's thirsty and she hasn't eaten. And clearly they were in need and probably homeless. And I appreciated it because they weren't asking me for money, so I didn't have to try to guess what they're going to do with the money. They just asked for juice. I said, I could do that. So I, I go back in the supermarket, put, pick up um, some boxes of juice, but I also pick up some water and some other things that I, I was hoping would last them a few days. And as I came out with the grocery bag, I handed it to the mom. And you know what she said? She, she took that bag. She looks at me. And you know what she said? She said, I asked for juice and you gave me all this? Wow, that must mean that I have a heavenly father in in heaven who loves me, yet my sin has separated me from him. And because of this separation, it's going to bring about my death. And, And I know that this father has yet still loved me, and so he sent me his son named Jesus Christ from heaven to earth because he's fully man and fully God and he died on the cross for my sins and went into the grave and three days rose from the grave just as the scriptures prophesied. Oh, I give glory to God. I will give my life to him. Thank you. She said all that? No, she didn't say all that. She just took the bag. She looked at me and said, thank you. And I got back into my car and I drove home. Like, did I feel good about it? I felt good about it. Was it a good deed? Absolutely. Was it it an act of kindness? Yes, it was an act of kindness. Did she get to know the father who deeply loves her and pursued her by sending his son to the cross? No. At least not from that particular moment. I mean, for all she knows, I could have been a Jew or a Muslim or a Christian or a Catholic or an atheist just about anybody who's capable of buying them juice that she needed. What's gonna make us different? It's gonna be what we're pointing them to. Keep in mind that our deeds, our good works, our love projects are not an end in itself. All these are, 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 they're means to an end. They're a way for people to even give us an ear to what we have to say. Now, I'm not saying everybody and every time you perform a good deed or an act of love that you need to explain the entire gospel and lay out the doctrines of the Christian faith. It's not what I'm saying. Because the reality is there may or may not be opportunities for you to have a conversation when you do good acts. Like you could be driving on the freeway and just have enough time to reach your hand out the window to give a bottle of water, but you got to go. There may be people that you give money to through a website and you have no one to talk to. So there's going to be times like that. Jesus in the Bible, there are times when he performed miracles. And as far as we know, there's no evidence that he preached the kingdom. There have been times like that. And and so don't feel bad. If you don't have an opportunity, that doesn't mean don't do it. You still love. But my point is we as Christians, we need to be looking for those opportunities We should be very conscious and intentional in our effort to show these people that we're loving on the reason why we're loving on them. We got to care about sharing with them through this act of kindness, the kindness of God that's been reflected on the cross. And I'm not expecting everybody to be preachers and theological professors, but somehow we have to look for opportunities to somehow point to the one who's sending us. And maybe it's, it's you carry gospel tracts on you, and when, when you're able to buy someone a meal who's in need, you leave them a gospel tract, so maybe they can read it over as they're eating their meal. 
Maybe it's after you mow their lawn, you ask them, how, how can I pray for you? Maybe it's as you are giving them a ride to that destination because they don't have a car or a ride and you just decided to give them these, these rides that you engage in conversation, invite them to church or point them to our website or YouTube channel where they can hear the preaching of the word that maybe you can't preach, but it's been preached. But these are all ways that we can simply try to point people to truth because we need to remember what's the ultimate objective in us doing good works. What is the highest goal? Let me tell you what Jesus says it is. Matthew chapter five, verse 16. Here's what our master says. He says, in the same way, let your light shine. Let your light, your love shine before others so that they may see your good works, period. Amen? Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works, period. Sorry. It's a smudge in my Bible. Oh, no, there's no period. It says that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. Like, that's the ultimate goal, that not just they would see our good works, that they would give glory to the Father who is in heaven. Why? Because they have come to know the Father. That's, that's why we do these things. The acts are just a means to an end. Remember the goal of our love, that, that somehow we would point so that the Lord in heaven would get glory, that they would give glory to the Lord. Why? Romans 10, 13 tells us this. It says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That deserves glory. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? How are they to hear without someone preaching? In other words, church, at some point, you have to use your words. Otherwise, how will they know what in the world the Father has done for them when he sent his son to the cross to be murdered for them? We could do these acts of kindness, but our acts of kindness, we need to point them to the kindness of God when he sent Jesus to the cross. The Bible tells us, Romans chapter 2, that God's kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. That's the desired objective, that, that when we know of his kindness, when he sent Christ to the cross, that we would repent and turn back to him and give lives to him. Many people in the world are showing love right now. Everybody's trying to show kindness to combat the world's hate. But if we want to see transformed hearts, lives reconciled with God because of faith in Jesus Christ, it can only come from gospel-driven acts of love, where our words are accompanied by action, and action is accompanied by love, and love is accompanied by the truth. I want to close by saying this. This weekend, as a nation, we celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. And it's his birthday tomorrow, but it's really his life and the content of his life that we're celebrating. Why? Because here's a man who gave everything. He gave his life literally to, to helping people to see that every person that God created should be equally loved and equally valued. And he believed that, and he lived for that, and he made a huge impact on our nation. There's still work to be done, but he made a huge impact. And I was reading a biography on him this week, just reading a little bit about his life, and there's a snippet of this I wanna share with you guys. This is from a non-Christian source, but here's what they have to say about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Here's what it says. As a Christian minister, King's main influence was Jesus Christ and the Christian Gospels, which he would almost always quote in his religious meetings, speeches at church, and in public discourses, meaning he talked about it. King's faith was strongly based in Jesus' commandment, check this out, of loving your neighbor as yourself and loving God above all. In other words, why did he give his life to making change? Why did he give his life to this cause? Why? Well, it was, it was driven by the commands given to him by his God, that we should love God above all and we should love our neighbor as ourselves. So I'm going to go and show what that looks like. Do you believe in these commands? Because when you do, then change happens if you're serious about living it out. And I know what some of you guys are thinking right now. You're thinking, well, I'm not MLK. 
I'm not Martin Luther King. He, he's a, a different breed. He, he, he's a charismatic leader. He's a gifted communicator. He's a persuasive orator. And I'm not that. In fact, I'm, I'm really scared or nervous or I'm not really motivated to go out there, put myself out there, lay myself down, and then talk to them about the Bible. Who am I to do that? I got a past or I'm not well-versed in the scriptures. I, I'm not one to go and talk to people about Jesus. I'm not MLK. I'm not Martin Luther King Jr. And I want to say, no, you're not. You know who else isn't Martin Luther King Jr.? Scott Connemora is not Martin Luther King Jr. If you guys were here a couple summers ago, Scott was up here on the stage and we were having an interview with him. And you could tell by his demeanor and even what he said, he's scared to talk to people. He's not one, he doesn't like to talk to people, he said let alone about the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's just not his personality. That's not him. And yet he got to go with us on that mission trip to Sapporo, Japan. And he shared with you from the stage how God was working on his heart and how he, he was being broken by God for the Japanese people. God's doing a work in him. Well, this past week, uh, there was a video that got put out on YouTube and this major car media company reached out to Scott and uh, they asked if Scott would be featured on this video on some of the cars that Scott built. He's, he's a car guy, as you might remember. He built these cars for this show called SEMA, a huge car show, and they wanted to highlight Scott in these cars. So I want to show you a, a, a brief clip of this video. And uh, mind you, this is not a Christian media company. So, yeah, he's holding uh, a bottle of not apple juice, but it's beer. So I just want to give you that heads up. Check it out. This guy is an OG. He was one of the forefathers of import street racing in Gardena, or actually the streets of Mexico, shall we say, you know. Worked at TRD. He was the man before there was the man. John Kuriyama, Todd Kaneko, Scott Conamora. This is the guy right here. Does all sorts of crazy builds, does SEMA builds, had a company called KMA that was doing a lot of stuff for Scion. Lifelong Toyota OG, right? Tell us what we're looking at here, Scotty. Okay, so I wanted to show you that clip just to say that, yeah, Scott has a, a pass. He, he, he grew up in the street racing scene. And he'll, he'll, he'll be the first to tell you that he's done a lot of things in his life that he regrets. He wasn't always walking with the Lord. And yet, God is gotten a hold of his heart and he's still transforming Scott and sanctifying him and as he is with every other believer in this room God's doing a, we're all people in process but God's been breaking Scott's heart and in this video 15 minutes into it they're just raving about these two cars that he built saying how amazing it is looking at all the detail you built this this is amazing and they're just lusting after these these cars that Scott built and then 15 minutes in the conversation kind of takes a turn I want to show you how that conversation turned check this out to talk about we talked about your past I want to ask you something little birdie on Facebook told me you are selling this one yeah wow you're sort of are you God liquidating your assets I'm liquidating everything what it, why is that I'm moving to Japan to give people a second chance in life so I'm gonna start a farm out there wow it's so amazing I, I'm hoping like some of your goodness rubs off on me, so I'll be less of a scumbag, but I, I hope, probably I hope won't. he gets all the goodness and his I, farm is successful. Successful, yeah. <laughs> really, like, I mean, you're just, that's Wow, it's super nice. That's an amazing story, Scotty. Yeah, like, that's so, you know, you were like the car guy's car guy, and you're just getting rid of everything and going to Japan to help people. I'm less fortunate. I might just move to Japan because I am yeah. extremely less fortunate. You know, yeah, we're going to go to strawberries. Yeah, we'll go to we'll, we'll strawberries. Hokkaido and Sapporo sounds great. I'm like, I'm all down for it. Isn't that cool? Here, here's a guy who will tell you he's not a preacher. He, he's not a pastor by any means. But he is able to start a farm and employ the marginalized and and use that to build relationships, giving people jobs who can't otherwise find jobs and, and, and build relationships so that they can be connected to the local church and come to know Jesus. That video, this past week, it just got posted this past Tuesday. It's almost at 300,000 views already. 
the, the company has 1.2 million followers, subscribers, there's, there's bound to be a lot more viewers. Scott told me the next morning after they posted this, he got all these requests, followers, 100, 100 followers on Instagram, just wanting to follow his story. He'll tell you he's not a preacher or a pastor, but, but God's giving him a platform. You may not be Martin Luther King Jr., but neither is Scott. And he'll tell you he's scared to talk to people. But listen, God is God. And God will use you and give you everything you need to love others and point them to Jesus if you would just be available to him. Scott is selling every, literally selling everything, selling his cars, his home, his watches, everything to save money to move over to Japan to do what he can do. He can do a business in order to point people to Jesus. By the way, he has a, a link to his blog um, that shows everything he's trying to sell. So if you want to support him in this, you can follow him and check out that link. And hopefully one day God will send him there when he's ready. But God can use any of us to point people to Jesus. Amen? Amen. Would you guys bow your heads with me? I want to give you guys a moment to just kind of respond to God personally and open up your heart to Him. I understand that for some of us, it's scary, right? can't imagine me actually laying myself down for others and telling them about Jesus. For others, it's, it's just laziness. I'm not motivated to do this. Others, it's, I just don't know how. And so let's just say to God right now, here I am. God, use me. I want to be available to you. Give me a platform whether it's big or small, but help me to point people to Jesus by the way I love them. So Father God, we ask for this, Lord, that you would move us as a church, that we wouldn't just keep talking about your love and keep singing about your love and keep learning more and more and more about your love without ever going out and loving. So help us to be a church that truly reflects the beauty of your son that demonstrates to the world what it looks like to lay down your life, to give yourself up, to love them. Then give us the courage and the, uh, the wisdom and the knowledge of how to explain why we're doing what we're doing. God, we love you so much. You're worthy of our praise and honor. That's why we worship. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.